Okay, so I've got a question for you to think about this morning. I'm going to get you to do that thing where you have to talk to your neighbour, so just brace yourselves if you don't like that. But the question is, what was the last thing that you learnt and how did you learn it? What was the last thing you learnt and how did you learn it? So chat to the person next to you and see if you can recall something uh, to share with them. One minute. me along to Okay, I'm sure you could have that conversation for quite a lot longer. Some of you do want to have that conversation for a lot longer. (laughs) But if I can uh, just invite you to hold that question in your mind, because I was recently at a training event and I asked those questions uh, to the people there, and one of the main answers that people gave was that they learned from watching others do something or from reading their instructions. Who here has learned something from watching somebody else? I don't know whether anybody else finds it more helpful to watch somebody do something than to maybe hear them tell you. (laughs) Um, And so there's something about learning from the example of others that's quite powerful. And this morning, we're going to think about the Thessalonian church and the fact that it is held up for us as an example, as a model that we can follow. Now, model doesn't mean perfect, obviously, uh, because if you read the rest of the letter, it's clear that they're, they're not, they've not got it all together, but there's some things that there's going on here that we can learn about. So, that's what we're going to think about. So, before we get into the first chapter of Thessalonians, it's important for us to think about the background of how this church came to be. And so I'm going to just summarise a little bit for you because it's quite helpful. And if if you want to look this up and and read it later, it's in Acts 17, verses 1 to 10, the story of how this church kind of got started. And you see there that Paul, Silas and Timothy went to Thessalonica. I never know whether it's Thessalonica or Thessalonica, but either one. Uh, They preached the gospel there, but they were only there for a short time. They mentioned three Sabbath days, so you could say maybe anything between two and four weeks, possibly longer, but it's certainly a short time. And in that time, it says that many Jews, Greeks, and leading women were persuaded by the gospel message, and they became part of a brand new Christian community. However, persecution arose, which led to a mob uprising and a city in uproar. And some believers were even dragged before the city authorities. So not exactly the most comfortable start to a church plant, you would say. After the commotion had sort of died down, in fact it says that very night, Paul and Silas and Timothy left that region for another town. So this fledgling community experienced a very turbulent beginning. We don't know how many there were or who was leading them. We do know that Timothy did manage to return to them for a little while later and he was the one that brought Paul the news of how they were doing. 
And Paul, understandably, was very anxious to communicate with them, to reassure them and encourage them. And he longed to return to them. And that's why he wrote the letter of 1 Thessalonians. So if you've got a Bible with you, or if you could grab one from the pew in front of you, I'd recommend turning to 1 Thessalonians. It's always good to have the Word of God in front of us, to familiarise ourselves with what is in it and see the connections uh, between what we're going to be looking at, because I'm going to jump around a little bit in uh, this passage of Scripture. So, two words that we're going to have a think about this morning, and we saw them in the text that was read. Imitation and example. Imitation and example. So, to begin, it's important to note that imitation and example starts with identity. If we notice how Paul addresses and describes the Thessalonians, in verse 1, he starts off by saying that they belong to God. They belong to God. And in the original language, that literally is just, they are in God. They are in God and Jesus Christ. The language of in God or in Christ is shown elsewhere in scriptures to picture, with pictures such as the vine or the body. It shows that we are connected and draw our life from the, the source that we are a part of. So the church draws its life and its identity from God and Jesus Christ. And a little bit later in verse 4, it says Paul describes them as being loved by God. And that's a core part of their identity, not because of anything that they've done or accomplished, but because they are children of God. And it also says in that same verse that they have been chosen to be his people. God chose them before they chose God. So there's three things we see there about the Thessalonians' identity that we need to think about before we get into what they're doing, what example they're setting. First of all, they belong to God. Second, they are loved. And third, they are chosen. Because everything that we do comes from who we are. Being is what comes before doing. That's why we're called human beings, not human doings, by the way. No. Um, but that we, we are human beings. We are, we are people who are before we are people who do. And sometimes we make this mistake of looking at the things that we're supposed to do before thinking about actually who we are to begin with. And it's important to remember the fact that we belong to God, we are loved, and we are chosen by him. So if we look at verse 6, we see a little bit of this imitation going on. The Thessalonians imitated Paul and his team. It says us. So when Paul's talking in this letter, he always uses us or we uh, because he's talking about Paul, Silas, and Timothy. But they also imitated Jesus Christ. Now, this is interesting because the Thessalonians never met Jesus in person and they didn't have the New Testament because 1 Thessalonians was one of the first letters that were actually written in the New Testament. So how on earth could they have imitated Jesus? Well, because Paul, Silas and Timothy showed them what Jesus looked like and what Jesus did. Through their preaching and their way of life, they were in such an example that when the Thessalonians imitated them, they were also imitating Christ, which is quite something to think about. And how did they imitate? What was it that they were actually imitating? It says in verse 6 that they received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit despite 
suffering. So even in the midst of this incredibly turbulent beginning of a church, they still recognised that the gospel that was being preached was the word of God and they received it with joy from the Holy Spirit. That joy is not a personality sort of thing, you know, some people are more joyful than others. No, it's actually a gift from the Holy Spirit. They received that message with joy despite suffering. That is how they imitated Paul and ultimately Christ as we see the ultimate example of joy in suffering. So there's something about the way that the Thessalonians received the gospel that imitated those who gave it to them. And having become imitators of others, they then become an example to other people as we see in this text. So how are the Thessalonians an example? How did they become an example to the rest of it? Says it actually, Paul gets very excited in this and sort of says almost the entire world, but there seems to be sort of quite a lot of the region that had heard about this church and we're obviously hearing about it many, many years later. So they have become an example for many people. Well, there's three words to pick up on here about how the Thessalonians are an example and that is faith, love and hope. Faith, love and hope. Now you might have heard of faith, hope and love from 1 Corinthians 13, also by the same author of this. So uh, (laughs) those three words come up quite a lot and they're a very important trio. So we're going to have a little look at how the Thessalonians are an example in faith, love and hope. First of all, faith. If you look in verse 3, it says their faithful work. They were an example of faith in God. It says later on that others are talking about their faith. They're such an example that it's kind of caught fire and people are talking about it. It also says in verse 9 that they turned away from idols towards God, which is an expression of faith. It's how we show our faith in God, by turning away from idols and turning towards God. And each of these things, faith, love and hope, have a particular orientation outwards. So faith is an orientation toward God. That's our posture towards God. Faith is our posture towards God. Second of all is love. And again, in in verse 3, you see loving deeds, or uh, in some translations, labours of love. And love is our orientation toward others. That's how we relate to others. They served the living God, it says later on. How do we serve the living God? By our love for one another. Those two things are connected. Their labour of love was a demonstration of their service of God. And then the third way that they show us an example is in their hope, which we see in verse 3, described as having enduring hope, which is perseverance in the face of trials. And hope is our orientation towards the future. So faith is our orientation towards God, love is our orientation towards others, and hope is our orientation towards the future. And in verse 10 it says they were looking forward to the coming of Jesus. They were living in the knowledge that whatever they they faced in this life was not the end of the story. So what was the result of this example that they were setting? Well, we see that the word of the Lord rang out or sounded forth like a trumpet or a thunderclap. Uh, there's lots of discussion about what that word actually means, and it's sort of it's it's quite big, basically. It's making a lot of noise, 
about what God is doing there. The, the word of the Lord rang out. And people were talking about their example of faith. And I love what John Stott calls this. He says it's like holy gossip. You know, like, <laughs> uh, if only that was the only type of gossip that was in the church. Anyway, um, so <laughs> there's all this holy gossip going on from... Did you, did you hear what, what God has done there? Did you hear what has happened over there? And that has gone out and spread throughout the region. So people are talking about their example, about their faith, about their love, about their hope. So we see that the Thessalonians both imitated Paul and Jesus and also set an example for others. So how can we follow their example? Well, first of all, we can start with identity. Do we believe that we are belonging to God, that we are in God, that we are chosen, and that we are loved by him? Does our identity come from who we are in Christ, in God, or are we taking that from another source, from maybe what others have said about us? Start with identity. Secondly, we can imitate. We can imitate Jesus and the example of the apostles by having joy in suffering, that gift from the Holy Spirit. Paul sets us an amazing example in this uh, passage of prayer and thanksgiving, and we can imitate that, where Paul says, I thank my God always for you, continually bringing people, uh, you to God in prayer. I don't know about you, but that challenges me. Um, the, the idea of always, continually, constantly bringing people before God in prayer. I know that's not my uh, current prayer life. Um, maybe somebody else here can say that it is, but that's a reminder to me that that's an example that I can imitate. Uh, and when we remember somebody, even when they come into our mind, maybe that's the prompt that we bring them to the Lord in prayer. Um, so we can follow Paul's example. And then in verse 5, we can also follow uh, the example of Paul and his team in bringing others the good news of their care and concern for people and their way of life that they lived among them. And I think those three things are connected. Bringing the good news, showing care and concern for people, and then the way we live. I think when we start to disconnect those things, we run into difficulty. We need all three of them. And the way that they live, you can read the rest of this letter to find out, but it's basically they, they live pure, upright, blameless, and hardworking lives among the Thessalonians, setting them an example for how they were to live as children of God and as part of the family of God. So as well as imitating the example of Paul and his team and ultimately Jesus, we can also imitate the Thessalonians in their faith, love, and hope. And there's three words that are linked to faith, love, and hope that turn up later in this chapter in verses 9 and 10, and they are turn, serve, and wait. Turn, serve, and wait. So turn. They turned away from idols. So we all have a story of coming to God. Or maybe you're being drawn to God. And maybe this is the story that's unfolding in your life. And part of that is turning away from idols. Now, idols today for us are not necessarily shiny statues in the corner of our room. They may be glowing boxes in the corner of our room, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> but there are some idols that we've turned away from to serve the living God. What are they? And are there any idols that are still capturing our attention? We can imitate the Thessalonians and turn away from them. 
And then serve. serve. Serving God takes the active form of loving others through our work. In what ways has God called you to serve others in love? And finally, wait. We do not live for this life alone, but realize that Jesus is returning just as surely as he rose from the dead. How does this belief impact the way we live today? How does our posture of waiting make a difference to the way we use our time, the way we do our jobs, even the way we read the news? It could be easy to think that serving and waiting seem like opposites. One seems active, the other seems passive. And there might be some people, some of us might be more prone to serving, while others of us prefer the waiting. But John Stott explains wonderfully why working and waiting belong together. He says, in combination, they will deliver us both from the presumption which thinks we can do everything and the pessimism which thinks we can do nothing. We are called to do something. That's the love. But we are also called to realize that we can't do everything because Jesus is the one who ultimately will bring all things to himself. And so we wait. We are called to live as people who turn from idols, who serve the living God through our loving work for others and who wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus from heaven. So we know who we are. We start with our identity. We imitate. And finally, we set an example for others. What is sounding forth or ringing out from this church and from our lives? What is the talk of the town in Accrington? Is it holy gossip or is it another kind? As we think about those questions and two I'm going to leave with you for the coming week, we need to remember why all of this matters. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done and because he is coming again to save us from the coming judgment. So two questions to leave with you to think about this week. Who am I imitating? And what example am I setting? Let's pray. Lord, help us to imitate you first and foremost, and the examples in scripture and godly leaders that you have given us to show us how to follow you. Help us to set an example of faith, love and hope to others as we bring the good news of your love and salvation to a world who desperately needs to hear it. Enable us by your spirit, we pray. Amen.